Namo myo horenge kyo, namo myo horenge kyo, namo myo horenge kyo. Hello, good friends. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice. As always, I hope this finds you in good health and secure. Namo myo horenge kyo. I shouldn't watch the news in the morning. It's, ugh, it really dings my life condition. But, uh, I mean, the world is the world, right? We are living in Mapo. New chapter, the merits of the Dharma teacher or preacher, preacher it says here, but we're teaching, right? Although uh, I've been told I sometimes sound like a preacher. <laughs> I'm going to say that that's just my enthusiasm. <laughs> Maybe that's okay. Uh, chapter 19, I don't know if you've noticed now, in, this, in these middle chapters of the sutra, Certainly, Nichiren has very much taken hold of these uh, chapters from the 15th to the uh, 17th and the 18th. But the issue at hand for Nichiren is the, 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 the really obvious call for all living beings to locate this Buddha-ness from within. And it, nowhere does it really hammer that point, this sutra, more clearly than in the 16th chapter and the chapter leading into it and coming out of it. So uh, the first part of the Lotus Sutra, several chapters, all dedicated to, look, you've really got to shift your mind. You've been practicing for over 40 years, for Freaking sake, get your head right on what I'm teaching you. And so the middle portion goes, uh, okay, this is a paradigm shift that you just have not to this day accomplished. I gave you a respite, the semblance teaching, to keep you motivated, but it's time to let that old clenching of bodily self, you need to let it go. That is not the potential of your mind. That's your brain. Let your brain do what it does. The brain isn't a magnificent tool. But let's talk about your mind because your mind can go far beyond the limits of your flesh and body self. And yet, the only place you can locate the mind is in the flesh and body. Isn't that a bit of a conundrum? But you can handle it. We are sophisticated enough to conceive of that and understand that it's a real experience. It's not fantasy. So stop going to fantasy and afterlife and reincarnation. Let's talk about this life. This is the whole reason for Buddhism, is to live this life fully. Sound like a preacher? <laughs> so he really nails that down in the middle of the sutra. Now it seems that with the 18th chapter, we start to slide into, and now the merits of the Dharma preacher. It's like, okay, now that I've broken, broken through into your mind to shift your thinking, let me tell you what it 
could look like, what you could gain by making this paradigm shift. I, I, now he's back to, let me give you some goals, some ideas of what you can expect from actually reaching Buddhahood. Okay, that kind of makes sense, right? So here we go. And as you know, the Dharma teacher is no other than the Bodhisattva, the Bodhisattva of the Lotus, not the Bodhisattva of the three vehicles. Different Bodhisattva. Some actually make a big deal out of this, saying that this is actually a fourth teaching. Mm. It doesn't really matter. That's politic. Whether you see it as an extension of the pre-existing bodhisattva definition just extended to enlightenment, or you see it as a very revitalized and different bodhisattva that operates in the world not as a human teaching about Buddhism, but as a human experiencing Buddha and sharing it, yeah, for me, that's, that's why I bring it up. Because for me, that's a distinctly different experience. Yeah? This is the experience of Shakyamuni, which we're all emulating. Right? Undoubtedly, the experience of Nichiren, who came to experience this Buddha-ness, and in his, sams well, I don't want to say samsara, but in his physical body, remained here to share that experience with others. That's a different kind of bodhisattva, right? It's the difference between having uh, a really a super fan of football who goes to all the games and knows all the players and knows all the stats and he comes to your school and talks about football. And then you get actual NFL football players coming to your school talking about football, you may not learn as much about football than you would from the, the, the crazy fan that knows all the stats. But it's different to hear about football from the guy who is playing the game, right? Would you say they're equal? Yeah, so for me, tons of respect for the, 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 uh, the super fan who knows all the information. But if I want to sense football, if I want to hear just a few words that inspire me about football, yeah, bring me the professional player. That's humans, right? So to me, the Bodhisattva of the Lotus is like that. The Bodhisattva of the Lotus Sutra is the Bodhisattva who is sharing an experience, not just teaching something he has heard or she has heard or is really good and well-versed about. I mean, that is of great value. I'm not throwing it away. I'm just saying it's different. Yeah. All right. At that time, the Buddha declared to the Bodhisattva Hamasattva, ever per persevering, if any good man or good woman shall accept and keep this Myohorengekyo, whether reading it, reciting it, interpreting it, or copying it, that person shall attain 800 virtues of the eye. 
again, the, uh, he's going to go over these skandhas, these different consciousnesses, in many different ways. Because it's our relation point as physical beings for our experience, right? These consciousnesses. 1,200 virtues of the ear. 800 virtues of the nose, 1,200 virtues of the tongue, 800 virtues of the body, and 1,200 virtues of the mind. By means of which virtues he shall adorn his six faculties, causing them to be pure. So this is the purification of the senses, right? And those first six, as you know, are are our sense organs, the way we identify and discriminate data, right? But if purified, what that means is we're now able to use those physical sense organs, those consciousnesses, to penetrate. Remember the word penetrations is used a lot here to penetrate with our insights, that's penetration, into the thoughts, smells, sounds, feelings, sensations of others, of the world, of life. At its truth, essential to the Lotus Sutra, right? That good man or good woman with the pure eye of flesh engendered by father and mother, the, the physical instantiation of a human, shall see all mountains and forests, rivers and seas, both inner and outer. See that penetrating insight there? That are in the thousand million fold world down to the Avicii hell and up to the pinnacle of existence. He shall also see all living beings in their midst. Moreover, he shall thoroughly see and thoroughly know the causes and conditions, the fruits and or repercussions of beings' deeds and places of birth. You'll be able to understand the karmic momentum of each individual and environment with your skandhas which previously were simply hooked into the physical realm, the samsara of the mind. Hmm? At that time, the world-honored one wishing to restate this meaning proclaimed Gatha, saying, If in the midst of the great multitude anyone with a heart free of fear shall teach this myoho rengekyo, listen now to his merits. This man shall attain 800 virtues distinguishing his eye, with which adorned his eye shall be very pure. With the eye engendered by father and mother, he shall thoroughly see the thousand millionfold world, its inner and outer mounts Meru, Sumeru, and Iron Rim, as well as all other mountains, forests, great seas, rivers, streams, and rivulets, down as far as the Avicii prison and up to the gods of the pinnacle of existence. The living beings in their midst, every one of them, shall he see. Though he may not have acquired a divine eye, the Buddha eye, such shall be the 
power of his fleshly eye. So just by the act of sharing this experience, this Myohorengekyo, the teaching, you will augment your senses. Your life condition will grow. You will expand in your knowledge and therefore wisdom of the nature of life. Make sense? Furthermore, O ever persevering, if a good man or woman shall accept and keep this scripture, whether reading it, reciting it, interpreting it, or copying it, he shall attain a thousand two hundred virtues of the ear. And by means of this pure ear, he shall hear the thousand millionfold world down to the Avicii hell and up to the pinnacle of existence, all manner of speech and sounds, both inner and outer, the voices of elephants, the voices of horses, the voices of cattle, the sounds of chariots, the sounds of sobs, the sounds of sighs, the sound of conch shells, the sound of drums, the sound of bells, the sound of gongs, the sound of laughter, the sound of speech, men's voices, women's voices, boys' voices, girls' voices, the sound of the Dharma. What is the sound of the Dharma? Quick quiz. Namo myoho renge kyo, right? Namo myoho renge kyo. It's the rhythm of life. And more, the sound of non-dharma, the sound of pain, the sound of pleasure, the, sound, the voices of ordinary fellows, the voices of sages, the sound of happiness, the sound of unhappiness, the voices of gods, the voices of dragons, the voices of yakshas, the voices of gandharavas, the voices of ashuras, the voices of kinaras, the voices of mahoragas, the sound of fire, the sound of water, the sound of wind, the voices of hell dwellers, the voices of beasts, the voice of hungry ghosts, the voices of bhikshus, bhikshunis, buddhas. In short, whatever sound there may be, inner or outer, in the thousand millionfold world. Your sensitivity not only to any sound, but to the nature of that sound. And you notice some of the sounds. Yeah, many are recognizable. Man, woman, bell, gong. But many are these personages of hmm, mental states. The sound of mental states. The sound of wishing, the sound of longing, the sound of depression, the sound of joy. That's a sensitivity to sound we don't often consider or even think about, right? How purified with your ear consciousness would you have to be to hear at that level, just like the eyes see at that level. Hmm? So the point here, obviously, and he's going to go through these sense organs, is he's talking to these arhats who now are being told that what they've been practicing for so many years has been incomplete. Good on them but they've fallen short. And it's not so much that they've fallen short of the goal. 
It's that the reason they've fallen short of the goal is because they're still attached to this idea of these skandhas, this body, as absolute fact. Because as they work so diligently to detach themselves, they still have the self that they think is now unattached, but they're attached to the self, this, this body, this thing. That's why they keep contriving and conjuring life after death. What, that's such Saying that sentence should make you, well, in the words of the sutras, revulsed, disgusted. That, that's so grotesque. Why would, I mean, we have movies about zombies. That's life after death. Come on. It's so ridiculous. It's like believing in Santa. Yeah, maybe it has some merit or purpose, but you know as well as I do that today it's all about commerce. What an insult, right? Ultimately, why not share the joy of a holiday with the love of your parents, siblings, relatives, others, friends. Why isn't that magical enough? See, if you use the word magic that way, then you're honoring the sense of love and sharing. But if you're believing in fictional personages, that kind of magic is very destructive to the mind. Not good. So now he's, he's trying to encourage these people. Now that you're, you know that you need to think differently, let me keep encouraging you to chase after this true Buddha-ness. Not the conjured city, not the false nirvana, the real thing. You can look forward to your senses doing this huge revolution and peering out, and no pun intended, but extension of sensitivities and being well beyond any limitations you've been setting for yourself from ancient folklore. You're so much bigger. You're the immensity of the cosmos itself. What? Yeah, it still seems so fantastical. And yet... So he goes on and on. Hell dwellers, voice beasts, voices of Prachikabuddha, voices of Buddhas, so you can see people's life's conditions. You can hear it in their voice, in the sound of them standing there. As uh, Simon and Garfunkel would say, in the sound of silence, there is perception. Hmm? Though he may not have acquired a divine ear, not fully realized, still, just because you teach, you share with the pure ordinary ear engendered by father and mother, and that's a, a nod to physical birth, right? He shall hear and know everything. In this way, he shall discriminate among sundry sounds and yet not damage his oral faculty. At that time, the world honored one, Gathas, the ear engendered by father and mother is pure and without defilement. With this common ear, he hears the sounds of thousandfold world. 
It's the sounds made by elephants, horses, cattle, bells, gongs, drums, on and on and on and on. He hears and can thoroughly understand the voice of numberless kinds of men, of gods or influences, right? The environmental influences. The sounds of the, their refined songs, like the songs of the wind, the water. Hmm? And he hears the voices of men and women, the voices of boys and girls, mountain streams, <laughs> and deep ravines. Yeah, he's not going to miss anything. <laughs> the voice of the Kalavinka and of sundry other birds. All these voices does he hear. Of the multitudinous woes and pains of hell, the various tormented screams, the hungry ghosts pressed by hunger and, <clears throat> and thirst, the voices as they seek food and drink, the Ashuras, dwelling by the edge of the great sea, when they talk to one another, how pain congregates. Mm -hmm. What great sounds they utter, sounds like these are heard by the teacher of the Dharma, who dwells here securely. This multitude of sounds does he hear from afar, Yet they do not damage his oral faculty within the world's spheres in all ten quarters. The birds and beasts cry out, calling to one another. And the man preaching the Dharma hears all of them here. Those above the Brahma gods, bright sound and universally pure, up through the gods of the pinnacle of existence, the sound of speech of these is the Dharma master dwelling here, able to hear in its entirety the multitude of all bhikshus, as well as bhikshunis, whether reading and reciting the scriptural canon or teaching it to others, the Dharma master dwelling here is thoroughly able to hear. Further, there are bodhisattvas reading and reciting the scriptural dharma or preaching it to others, compiling commentaries that explicate its meaning. It's hard not to... Not to identify with a lot of the things I'm reading here. I, I'm trying my best. It it's sometimes sends a little chill through my back and body that I'm engaged in this very thing, and so are you. It keeps me... Uh, it keeps me humble as well as very respectful that I'm doing this to the best of my ability. So thank you again for being here and listening. Reading and reciting the scriptural dharma or preaching it to others, compiling commentaries that explicate its meaning, the sound of voices like these, he is thoroughly able to hear. The Buddha is the most venerable among the great sages who teach and convert living beings, who in the midst of great assemblies expound the subtle dharma he who holds this Dharma blossom is able to hear every one of them of, of the thousand million fold world, the inner and outer sounds from as far down as the Avicii prison to as high as the gods of the pinnacle of the existence. The sounds of all of these voices does he hear, yet they do not damage his oral faculty since his ear is acute and perceptive he can know all with discrimination. Whosoever holds this Dharma blossom, though he has not yet acquired a divine ear, 
by the mere use of the ear with which he was born, already has virtues of this kind. This has to be inspiring all of those arhats and bodhisattvas to aspire to this lotus bodhisattva activity, knowledge, awareness, right? Because this surely is representative of the Buddha way in actualization in this life. Again, oh, persevering. If a good man or good woman, and it's not an accident that he's talking to a bodhisattva called persevering. Right? Do you see that, that it's so plain to see the personification used as a method of identification for us, physical beings? Why is this particular bodhisattva ever persevering? Because this advice is meant for all of those in the multitude listening to him to persevere. That's the reason he's offering all of these insights to make them aspire to them. Persevere to Buddhahood. It's so plain. Right? This isn't an actual person. Bodhisattva ever persevering. Bodhisattva ever persevering is you and me and anyone who will listen because this is what's behind curtain number one and you can have it. Simply apply yourself. <gasps> Again, oh, ever persevering. If a good man or good woman accepts and keeps this scripture, this sutra, this myoho rengekyo, whether reading it, reciting it, explaining it, or copying it, he shall achieve 800 virtues of the nose and shall, by the use of his pure nasal faculty, smell all manner of sense, superior and inferior, inner and outer. In the thousand millionfold world, the scent of the Sumana flower, the scent of the Jati flower, the scent of the Malika flower. the scent of the kampaka flower, the scent of the red lotus blossom, the scent of the green lotus blossom, the scent of the white lotus blossom, the scents of the blossoming trees, the scents of the fruit-bearing trees, the scent of the kandana, the scent of the, of the, scent, of the scent that sinks in water, the scent of tamalapatra, the scent of tagara, and the sense of a thousand myriads of varieties of blended perfumes, whether powdered or in lumps or in the form of paint. I just watched a program on uh, ancient Egypt uh, and some research being done on the Blue Lotus, which is shown in a lot of uh, artwork of the ancient Egyptians, right? Uh, in, uh, on sarcophagi and uh, panels, whether they be in pyramids or in great uh, buildings, wherever, constantly showing this blue lotus on the head and uh, somebody sticking their face into it and offered by dancers and so on and so forth. And what they came to find is they found some ancient blue lotus from the same genetic line and they tested them for what chemicals and, and uh, 
um, um, yeah, chem the chemistry of them, the biology and the chemistry of them, and uh, compared them to a fragment that was found in a pyramid and took a small piece and uh, tested it, you know, the CSI kind of thing. And they found that they, they were barely any different, uh, almost exactly identical now as they were then, thousands of years ago, and that they contained a component, actually several components together, but even singularly, that give us dopamine rushes, that give us a sense of pleasure, let's put it in plain terms. The blue lotus specifically, and may have been used at the time as a, not so much an intoxicant, but an intoxicant in that in our mind's experience, whether it be a, a often used, of course, in sexual pleasures, but also in dance, in art, anything expanding the mind's pleasures. So yes, lotus blossoms do have a scent and they do affect us. Interesting, just thought I'd throw that <laughs> in. Uh, let's continue. One who holds this uh, teaching, this scripture, while dwelling in the, this very place, right now, not an afterlife, shall be able to distinguish them perfectly. He shall also know the discrimination, with discrimination, the sense of living beings. To wit, the scent of elephants, horses, cattle, sheep, the scent of men, the scent of women, the scent of boys, the scent of girls, and the scent of grasses, trees, thickets, and forests. You know these scents. How discerning you might be of them, how profoundly you may sense them, well, that's in question, yeah? Be they near or far, whatever sense they, there are, he shall be able to smell them all distinguishing among them without error. One who holds this scripture, though he may dwell here, shall yet smell the divine sense above the heavens, to wit the scent of the Parijataka and the Kovidara trees, as well as the scent of the Mandarava flower, the scent of the Mahabandarava flower, the scent of the Manjusaka flower, the scent of the Mahamanjuska flower, as well as the scents of Kandana, the scent that sinks in water, various powdered perfumes, the perfumes of sundry flowers, of such divine perfumes as these, or of perfumes produced from blending them. There is none that he shall not smell and know. He shall also smell the scents of the gods' bodies, to wit, the scent of Sacro Devanam Indra. When he sports atop his palace of victory and enjoys the pleasures of the five desires, or his scent when atop his fine Dharma hall, he preaches Dharma to the Taryashtrishma gods, or his scent when he amuses himself in the gardens, as well as the sense of bodies of all the other gods and goddesses, all these he shall smell from afar, in this way proceeding by degrees to the Brahma gods, up to the pinnacle of existence. He shall smell the sense of all the gods' bodies, 
gods' bodies, and shall at the same time smell the incense burnt by the gods, as well as the sense of voice hearers, the sense of pratyakabuddhas, the sense of bodhisattvas, and the sense of Buddha bodies. These also shall he smell from afar, thus knowing where they all are. Though he may smell these scents, yet his nasal faculty shall not suffer or be misled. If he wishes to preach of them to others with discrimination, his mind shall not wander. And that's ultimately the point, is the discernments of the mind, yes? At that time, Gathas. Since this man's nose is pure within the wor this world's sphere, be they fragrant or fetid, all manner of things it smells and knows. Sumana and Jata, Jati, Tamala and Kandana, the scents that sinks in water and the perfume of the Katalpa tree, in short, the perfumes of various blossoms and fruits, and he knows the scents of living beings, the scents of men and women, though dwelling afar off, the teacher of the Dharma, by smelling their scents, knows where they are, the wheel-turning kings of, the great, of great might, the lesser wheel-turners uh, and their sons, their assembled ministers and those in their inner apartments. Smelling their scents, he knows where they are, the precious gems attached to the body and the precious deposits within the earth, as well as the precious daughters of the wheel-turning kings. Smelling their scents, he knows where they are, the akutrama that adorn men's bodies, their clothing, their necklaces, the sundry ointments with which they paint themselves. Having smelled these, he knows their bodies, of the gods, whether walking or sitting, their names and magical feats. He who holds this Dharma blossom, having smelled their scents, can thoroughly know the blossoms and fruits of trees and clarified butter by their fragrant scent. He who holds this scripture, dwelling here, in every case knows where they are. In the deep ravines of the mountains, the spread of blossoms on the Kandana trees, as well as the living beings who dwell in their midst, by smelling the scents he can know thoroughly. On Mount Iron Rim, in the great ocean, and with the earth, are living beings. And the smell of their scents, the keeper of the scripture, knows in every case where they are. The Ashuras, sonses, daughterses, as well as their retinues, times of fight and of play, by smelling their scents he can know entirely. Open fields and ravines, lions, elephants, tigers, and wolves, wild oxen and, wild, and water oxen. Smelling their scents he knows where they are. If, a, if, if there are pregnant women... And it is not yet known whether theirs will be a boy or girl or defective or monstrous. By smelling their sense, he can know in each case. <laughs> That's a powerful sense. By virtue of his power of smell, he shall know of their first conceiving, whether or not they shall come to fruition, and whether in comfort they shall bear a happy child. By virtue of his power of smell, he shall know what men and women think, their thoughts of passionate desire, folly, and anger. He shall also know those who cultivate good. The many deposits in the earth of gold, silver, and precious gems, the contents of copper vessels, 
By smelling their scents, he can know completely. The various and sundry necklaces whose value now can know, none can know. By smelling their scent, he knows their value, their place of origin, and where they are now. The flowers above the heavens, Mandarava and Manjushaka, and flowers on the Parijata tree, by smelling their scents, he can know thoroughly. The palaces above the heavens, whether superior, middle, or inferior, adorned as they are with a host of precious flowers, by smelling their scents, he can know completely. The divine parks and groves, the, the palaces of victory, the temples, the halls of fine dharma, and the pleasures that are within, smelling their scents, he can know completely. The gods, either when listening to dharma or when experiencing the pleasures of the five desires, as they come, go, walk, sit, or lie, Smelling their scents, he can know completely. The garments worn by the goddesses, the lovely floral perfumes with which they adorn themselves, the times at which they circle about in play, by smelling their scents, he can know completely. Proceeding thus upward by degrees until he reaches the Brahma gods, those who enter Dhyana and those who leave Dhyana, by smelling their scents, he can know completely. From the God's bright sound and the universally pure up through the pinnacle of existence, those just born and those retired to oblivion, by smelling their sense he can know completely. The multitudes of bhikshus ever stirring, striving vigorously toward dharma, the experience of the dharma, whether sitting or walking, whether reading or reciting, the scriptural dharma, or whether at the foot of trees in a forest, with single-minded vigor sitting in dhyana. He who holds this scripture by smelling their sense knows in every case where they are. The bodhisattvas of firm intent, seated in dhyana, whether reading the scriptures or preaching dharma to others, by smelling their sense he can know completely. Wherever he may be, the world-honored one, humbly revered by all, preaching the Dharma out of compassion for the multitude, by smelling his scent, the preacher can know completely. The living beings who are in the Buddha's presence, hearing the scripture, all rejoice and practice in accord with the Dharma, by smelling their sense, he can know completely. Though he has not attained the Bodhisattva's Dharma without outflows, or the nose engendered thereby, yet this person who holds this scripture first attains this nasal mark. This nasal mark. So the marks of enlightenment, yeah? And notice he, no, he didn't say you attained Buddha. He said attained the Bodhisattva's Dharma without outflows. Because this Bodhisattva has attained the Buddha-ness in this physical realm of form. This is quite unique. It's one thing to teach medicine. It's another thing to be medicine. Mm. Further, O oh, ever persevering. If a good man or woman accepts and keeps this 
scripture, whether reading it, reciting it, interpreting it, or copying it, he shall attain a thousand two hundred virtues of the tongue. <laughs> That's all about teaching. It's not about a steak and potato, yeah. <laughs> anyway. You get the gist, yeah? So, we will continue in the next video. If you're not quite sure why we're going through all these senses, you know, something, and it's something that I've written in, the, in my version of the Lotus Sutra, um, that if you haven't read other sutras, um, I might challenge you, if you're into this sort of thing, to read the Avatamsaka Sutra, the original sermon. Uh, Tom Cleary has a, a really good translation. Um, I don't know that there are many others. It's sometimes called the Flower Garland or in Japanese the Kigan Sutra, but it's known as the Avatamsaka Sutra. Yeah? Um, the language of that sutra is so hyperbolic. It's full of hyperbole, and it's excessive in its personifications of every sense and expansive experience of the senses and sensations. And uh, to me, when he resorts to this callback of all of these senses and their capacities, um, it may seem excessive here if you've never heard anything else, but if you read any of the Avatamsaka Sutra, any chunk of it anyway, you'll find that this is pretty tame because the Avatamsaka just goes on and on about these purifications, this experience of the purifications. And uh, you can imagine that the students at that time were going, what are you talking about, right? Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting to see a comeback to that. It's a bit of a, and it may be part of the device to the writers of these chapters that were included as the under the umbrella Lotus Sutra um, to do exactly that, to recall those early teachings, to let them know that this is nothing new, but you're understanding it anew. You now have the basis for understanding it, or at least to strive for it, yeah? So anyway, with that, um, thank you for your support. Don't forget to like and subscribe. It takes a few seconds, doesn't cost you anything, and it does a lot for providing a larger audience to grow this Sangha, to get more people to investigate this resource so they could start to practice Buddhism, so they could get back to practicing Buddhism, so that we can get more confident in our everyday practice of Namo Myodengekyo. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. If you can do more, those who either buy ebooks or, or books, you hear me say it all the time, uh, lots of free stuff like the the podcast of course i've just reorganized the uh core study page on threefoldlows.com so it's a little easier to navigate um anyway let me know your thoughts on that and um just d patrons on patreon and uh, paypal you guys uh, you guys rock okay thank you uh for keeping us going 
Keep your practice strong. Take care of your health. And I will see you in the next one. Bye for now.